church. Let's stand to our feet together and worship. presence and and know that just in those moments everything else kind of just disappears and so it's it's in this place of his presence that that we really see God move and we see God speak and we see God change and transform 
you know, and it, it's different for all of us. I mean, some of us are having maybe the greatest week, but when we come into his presence, we realize, man, that, that greatness, those good things are coming from him. They're coming out of the goodness of, of his heart. But maybe we're having a difficult week. You know, maybe we're just struggling and, and it's hard to see anything good. But when we come into his presence and we focus on that goodness, we start to realize that he's greater and he's better than anything that I could face and anything I could put my hope in to change that situation. It's the goodness of God that, that leads us into to surrender. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. It's the goodness of God that gives us hope and strength and refuge. And that's something to celebrate this morning. That's something to, to enjoy this morning, to just bask in. God, thank you for your goodness. And that's just going to be the posture of our heart in this next moments as we sing this song out. Let's just say thank you, God, for your goodness. You've been faithful. You still are faithful, and you always will be faithful because that is who you are. So let's worship him this morning. Let's lift him up and say thank you, God.
Father, we thank you so much for your presence here right now. And God, I just want to personally thank you for your faithfulness in my life. And you make your faithfulness available to every single one of us here, no matter what our age. So Father, this morning we celebrate you. We celebrate your goodness, even though things around us may seem as though they're falling apart. We know that God, you are good. And so I pray, Father, that each one of us would fix our eyes on Jesus. Father, I pray that this morning that our hearts and our minds would be open to your word, to who you are, to move up closer to you, to learn to know your goodness. And we learn to know that by learning to know you better. And so, Father, we give this time to you. For those online, for those around this building, the children, the students, for those in this room, Lord, we just lift you up. We just want to give you all the glory for everything that happens here today. And when we leave this place today, Lord, may we know that we have met with you. We've heard your voice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Well, good morning, everyone. It's hot out there, isn't it? <laughs> hey, we had a great movie night the other night. Was anyone here for that? We had way over 300 people to that. The next one's going to be even more fun, probably. Invite your friends. That's what it's for. And I think you are inviting your friends, and the word's getting out. The next one's going to be The Greatest Showman. So be listening to that soundtrack because it's a sing-along. It'll be a lot of fun. So, all right, well, good time to check into Facebook if you would do that. Get your phones out. And uh, it's okay to be on your phone during this. I mean, we watch TV and we're on our phone, right? So we can multitask with our ears and our eyes. So check into Facebook or Instagram or whatever uh, social media that you do. And that just lets other people, I did right before I came out here, and I said, hey, you still have time to get online and see what the services are all about here at Salem Fields Community Church. Well, if you're a first-time guest with us today, we hope that you sense the presence of the Lord. Really what Salem Fields is all about is just coming and being yourself and not having to put on church face. Just be you. And uh, I hope that uh, the people that attend here regularly create that kind of atmosphere. Do you guys, you Salem Fielders? Yeah. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Kelly. <laughs> so we've got a little free gift for you out there. There's a table out there. There will be someone standing at that table. And uh, there's a little gift, and it's in a cute little bag. And you will be totally blessed and blown away by whatever's in that little... <laughs> It's just in a little appreciation thing that we want to say to you. And come back and check us out further because uh, sometimes you have to come a few times to really grasp what's going on here at Salem Fields. We've got a missions trip coming up to Guatemala, and we're excited about that. Kelly's excited about that. And uh, we hope that God will call you and speak to your heart and say, you know what, it would be great for me to go out of this country and to help other people, but I can promise you that you'll serve and it'll be an incredible thing that you will do for other people in service, but God will change you and you'll be amazed at what he does in you. So there are ways to connect with that. There's a table right as you walk out the doors here this morning with Guatemala on that board there. And uh, you can go online and do that as well on the app or uh, email, missions at Salem Fields. So uh, I would encourage you to just open your heart maybe to what God may be stirring in your 
in your life. And maybe by the end of this service, he will call you to go to Guatemala. And your connection card's a very important piece of paper there in your program. It's a way for you to uh, communicate with us with prayer requests. And when you get called to go on that missions trip to Guatemala, you can mark it on there. You can let us know, uh, just communicate with us with that connection card, and you can always put it in the basket as it goes by or put it in the slot where the tithes and offering go. I hope you have discovered the joy of tithing. If you haven't, ask somebody about it because did you realize that you never have to worry about money again? Yeah, those people that are tithing, those people that tithe, everybody that just shake your head yeah you don't you really don't can you imagine if we would take that worry out of this world and really it does uh, when you give God the first of all that you have including your finances it is amazing the promises that he gives you and I'm a living testimony of that 30 years buddy and I decided to tithe long ago and he has met every need we have ever had and then he even threw in some bonus as well but you don't do it to receive you do it because you love God and I hope that you have discovered that there's a variety of ways that you can do that you can see all of that up there and if you've never done it ask somebody that does tithe and you'll see that they are really excited about that the rest of the announcements are in your program and uh, if you would pull that out take that with you and inform yourself of everything that's happening here at Salem Fields through the week that's really important you know we don't just come here and then put Jesus in our pocket and leave we live Jesus throughout the whole week, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, we're going to take our tithes and offering. We're opening a new series today called Gone Fishing. And I'll tell you, whatever Jody asks of Rich, uh, she, he's all the way from Bob Dylan to Luke Bryan to whatever. Our uh, series is called what? Gone fishing. We've gone fishing around here at Salem Fields Community Church. We're going to take our tithes and offering. It's a way that we worship. And uh, take it away, Rich.
You know, he's li that fish was alive when we glued it on there. And he's like, I'm just kidding. Uh, anyway, good morning. It's good to see you guys. Uh, Gay just told me that she forgot to tell you about James and Charity's love offering. Uh, you gave them $3,000, which was a huge help. Yes. But that's, that's only part of the story. And, you know, I don't know if I told you here, but I said it somewhere that they, are, uh, they struggle getting electricity. They, uh, we bought them a generator as a church, and they used that, but the fuel was so high, and then they bought a transformer. See, the government only gives them electricity once in a while. So they might go three days and have it, and then they go 30 days and not have it, but they still have to pay their electric bill. They don't pay their electric bill, then when they give them the three days, they don't get it. But anyway, so they bought a transformer. Or, yeah, transformer? Yeah, something like that. And the government puts the electricity to the transformer, and so their whole community then had electricity. They raised, they uh, got like $9,000 for that, and somebody in the neighborhood, some kid came and shot it up, so it was no good. And so they did it again, and now the government has quit putting electricity to that uh, transformer, whatever. I don't think it's called transformer, but so they was, we were coming down, and they said, man... We spent all that money and said, I just found out we could get solar uh, for $11,000 installed in our house. And I, th I either said that in this service Saturday night or one service, I don't know. But anyway, don't you know that somebody from this church dropped off a check for $11,000 this week? So they got their generator. So praise the Lord for that. Uh, well, uh, I think I already told you I'm glad you're here, but I read a story this week about a guy who was speeding down the highway. And he was feeling pretty secure, pretty safe, because he was in the middle of the traffic. You know, a bunch of cars in front, a bunch of cars behind him. On the CB radio, they call that sitting in the rocking chair uh, because it's comfortable and you're safe. And, you know, uh, you feel like the police can't get you there. Well, anyway, the police did get him there. And uh, they pulled him over. And uh, the officer, you know, you know what the cop does, don't you? Y'all know what he does? Y'all do. You ask for your registration. I, you've all looked for it. You're <laughs> digging through that thing. I got a ticket in the church van a couple weeks ago. Now, that was embarrassing. <laughs> I thought, yeah, you love Jesus. <laughs> 71 and a 55. That van goes faster than you think. I mean, it, like, it doesn't feel like it goes that fast, but it does. And I proved it. But anyway... <laughs> That's not my first one, unfortunately. And, you know, your driver's license. And then he goes back to the car, and he sits there for a little while, and 
you're just hoping and praying you're going to get off. And, uh, well, anyway, this cop came back, the police officer comes back, and he hands him his, uh, his citation, his ticket, and the guy signs it. And the guy was just about to walk away, and the policeman was, and the, and the guy said to him, he said, look, I, he, said, uh, he said, why did you pull me over? I know I was speeding, but it wasn't fair. I mean, there were plenty of other cars around me, and they were going just as fast, so why am I the only one to get the ticket? The policeman turned around and looked at him and said, you ever go fishing? And the, and the man said, yeah, sure, I've been fishing. He said, and the officer said to him, well, you ever catch all the fish? <laughs> you know, this is the first time in the history of Salem Fields Community Church that the Saturday night service got it better than y'all got it. <laughs> They're usually like, uh, well, anyway. <laughs> We're starting a new series today called Gone Fishing. Now, it's not gone fishing. Fishing's what they do in the city. In the country, we go fishing, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. We go fishing. And uh, so probably if, probably if uh, Rich would have made this series, he'd have called it Gone Fishing. But since I made it, we're gone fishing. <laughs> anyway, that doesn't even matter. Sometimes it's just a beautiful day, you know, and you need some time off from work and you just want to get out of the office or get out of the job and you decide, well, you wake up, this is a great day to go fishing. Now, the day isn't a little too hot. But then there are days when you just feel wiped out, stressed out, and burnt out. And, you know, we've tried and tried our very best. We still come up short, it seems, no matter what we do. Nothing is never enough and, or nothing is ever right. And it's in times like these uh, where you just want to give up on your marriage. You want to give up on your a relationship. Maybe you want to give up on a teenage child or a, a job or your health or even your future. And we just want to post a sign on the door of our life that says, gone fishing. Now, I don't know if y'all have ever felt that way, but I sure have. Or, or maybe you've heard the voice of God call out to you in your life, you know, call you to obedience in your life and, and to, for you to follow him. And instead of obeying him, you've posted a sign in your, over your heart that says, gone fishing. God, I'm not listening to you anymore. I'm backing out. And we kind of say, God, I've gone fishing. Now, over the next four weeks, we're going to look at uh, some of the, the, some stories from the Bible that relate to these same kind of scenarios. Over the last uh, weekend of the series, which is August 2nd and 3rd, we're going to have a fishing derby for children. And so bring your children and all their friends, and we're going to have prizes, and, and we don't even know what we're going to do. We haven't planned it yet, but we're going to do it. But we're going to have prizes. We're going to have a night crawler eating contest where the kid eats the most night crawlers. Gets a prize and, uh, you know, those kind of things and eats a live fish, uh, get more points for a catfish. But anyway, <laughs> that we probably won't do some of that. But anyway, uh, we don't have much details right now, as you can tell. I'm rambling. Uh, but they'll come along. Just keep your eye open for them. But it'll be that first weekend in August. Today's message is entitled, Expect the Unexpected. Now, when you go fishing, one thing I've learned when you go fishing, you need to expect the unexpected to happen. I mean, I've been fishing all my life. I don't fish as much as I used to, but every year we go on a fishing trip. Uh, my father and I started doing that years ago, and we've been doing it for about, I don't know, 40 years, it seems, but a long time. And uh, my dad doesn't go anymore, but my son-in-law and my, uh, uh, my grandkids, we go and and some, some of my friends, and 
I've always, uh, since way back in the beginning, I was, uh, when I was a youth pastor in Harrisonburg, I had a kid in the youth group. His name was Scott Dillard. And we've remained friends uh, through all these years. And a few years ago, we were on the Shenandoah River and we were in a canoe. And I love canoeing. And uh, we were, we packed up our fishing poles. We packed up our, um, our tackle boxes and, and our um, lunch. Of course, that's important. And we put it all in the canoe, and, and we didn't tie it down. I mean, you know, fishermen don't uh, tie their tackle box down. And uh, so we're headed down. The river was a little up. We probably shouldn't have been on the river, but we were. It was a little high and, uh, and running a little fast. And up ahead, we saw these rapids coming. And on the other side of the rapids was this big turn. And Scott said, buddy, I think we ought to get out and walk around. I said, Scott, real men do not walk their canoe around turns. We ride it around turns. The next thing I know, my head was against a tree. Our tackle box was everywhere. The poles were gone. Our lunch was gone. It was unexpected. And here's some other unexpected things that happen on fishing trips. On weather changes. But one particular bait. In towing your boat, here is a safety chain tip. <laughs> Man. Shoot. He said shoot. Pull up, pull up. Pull up, pull up. Pull up, Timmy. With quality components, guides, real seat, as well as a handle. A rod that's lightweight. It's extremely sensitive. Dead gummit. Well, it's sensitive, all right. It's sensitive enough, and I felt that fan. Dead gummit. The Colorado blade puts out more vibration than they, let's say, a willow blade or even the Oklahoma blade. Golly. So until next time, catch one for me and enjoy the great fishing America has to offer. We'll see you next time. So 
you can always expect the unexpected when you go fishing, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Our, our scripture today is from Mark chapter 1. Now, your notes say Luke. That's because I am uh, I'm messed up. And so it's uh, Mark chapter 1, and uh, you can look that in your notes, and you can read it from there. You can read it from the screen. Or you know what? You can actually use your Bible. It's in there. And you can read it out of your Bible if you have your Bible with you or on your cell phone. Now, your cell phone is not your Bible, but it, you can look at, anyway, um, the Bible says, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. <clears throat> Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, I want you to remember that, at once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, uh, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. So it's just another day. It's just another day of fishing for Peter and for Andrew and James and John because they were fishermen. They worked as fishermen. But this day, Jesus came by the shore of Galilee, and he's standing on the shore of Galilee, and he calls out to them, follow me. And he has a promise Follow me and I will make you fishers of people. They had gone fishing that day just like any other day of their life. And they had gone fishing and now the unexpected happened. I mean, they did not have a scheduled meeting with Jesus. It wasn't on their cell phone calendar. They didn't know that, uh, they didn't know that day when they hopped on their boat to go fishing that it would be the most pivotal day of their life, the most significant day of their lives. That day changed uh, their lives forever. They were never the same after that day. From this unexpected call of Jesus on their lives, we see that what he said to them that day, he still says to every person in this room today. Every person in this room today, Jesus is saying to you and to me, follow me. He said it then, he says it now. Every Christian here today or those that are worshiping with us online, is called to follow him. Every person in this room today, no matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, you are called, we are called to follow him and to serve him. And, and you know, uh, whether that's in a volunteer role or a full-time uh, full uh, role as a vocation, we all have a contribution to make the ministry. And it's that call to ministry that I want us to focus on for a little bit this morning. I want us to leave today with the understanding of how answering the unexpected call of Jesus to follow him and serve him can change your heart. I mean, it can make all the difference in the circumstances of life that you find yourself in today. You see, I, I want to give you today a few observations from the disciples' fishing that day that can transform our lives. Just four things that I found in that scripture that can change our lives if we uh, will take heed to them. The first observation is this. Jesus calls ordinary people. He calls ordinary people. The characters on this fishing trip were like many of us. Like I said, they, they probably, most likely, if you fished every day of your life and your livelihood depended on that, they were worn out, stressed out, and burnt out. They were hardworking. Now, I know that 
Uh, I fished for fun. I can't imagine how hard it would be to cast those nets and pull those things in and cast them again, again and again and again and again, all day long, every day. So they were hardworking. They were ordinary people just like you and I. How many of you today would say, well, I'm an ordinary person. That describes me. Anybody would say that today? Most all of us here would say we're ordinary. You know, the men who Jesus called to be his disciples, they were just ordinary people. If we think about this, I mean, if you think about this, these men were what they were called to do. Do you know that from that call from the shoreline that day, you and I, if we're believers in Jesus Christ, it's because those guys answered the call. They answered the call, follow me. And because they did, what a significant role that Jesus had for them. I mean, it, it was wow. And, and to think about these ordinary men, that it seems crazy that Jesus would choose those men to do an extraordinary work. <clears throat> you see, they were not educated. They had a lot to learn before they would be qualified to do ministry uh, that would, uh, he would ask them to do. It took three years to train them. You see, they were just ordinary men, a mixture of good and bad, uh, uh, of grace and the old sin nature. And they were very immature spiritually. They were not theologians. They were not learned men of the Bible. They, they didn't know every scripture and all that went about that scripture and the Greek word for it and all that. They were just ordinary men. And you might be saying to yourself, well, buddy, God would never call me. You know, you don't know about me. He'd never call me. I can tell you this. If Jesus called fishermen and tax collectors and prostitutes and all the characters in the Bible that he called, he's calling you. He's calling you. In fact, God specializes in using ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. You might be ordinary, but God has an extraordinary mission for you in your life. Every one of us. Abraham Lincoln once said, God must love the common people because he made so many of them. You see, that doesn't mean that God doesn't call some uh, very significant people uh, from a worldly view, the Apostle Paul was one of those. You see, he was very well educated. He was a very intelligent man, and God called him to follow him. But by and large, if you were to study the Bible and read the Bible, and you do, I hope, uh, you would know that the people that Jesus called to follow him were ordinary, everyday people just like you and me. So first observation is God calls ordinary people. The second observation is he calls busy people. He calls busy people. You can say, oh, wow, that's me. You know, that's me. There's not a person, you know, uh, I don't know, but I'll get on uh, Facebook, and one of the <clears throat> biggest reasons I do Facebook is because I, it helps me keep up with the sheep, you. You know, it helps, us keep up, helps me keep up with you guys and also shows me what I really need to be preaching on. Uh, <laughs> but anyway... Uh, uh, I see, I'll be scrolling down, and I'll say, oh, man, haven't seen them in a while. And I'll send a, I'll send a Facebook message and say, hey, I really miss you. hope everything's doing all right, and I hope to see you soon. And they'll, and they'll write back. And nine times out of ten, people say to me, you know what they say? Wow, been busy. Been busy. We're busy people. We live in a busy place. We live in a busy community. You are busy commuting, you're busy working, you're busy playing baseball, you're busy playing football, you're busy, 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 busy. We're busy. And, uh, you know, you're so busy you ought to be a pastor because pastors are never busy. Uh, but anyway, 
That's not true. Ask the staff. Um, but he calls busy people. The disciples were in the midst of living their lives, running their business, trying to make ends meet, living paycheck to paycheck, stressed out, worn out, and burnt out, just like many of us. It's still true today, though. You know, you've heard it said, if you want to get something done, ask a busy person. Because a busy person will get it done. You know that? You know that, don't you? And you busy people know that. The truth is, though, I mean, the, the real truth is that people here today, many of you would say today that you're just too busy to follow Jesus. I mean, look, heck, we find it hard to come to church. I mean, we're too busy to come to church. Uh, you know, they, they say today in America, the average committed person comes two times a month. Now, I know times have changed, but God has not changed. He's the same God as he was yesterday, today, and forevermore. And he says in his word, don't forsake yourself of the gathering of the saints. And I know we all need to go on vacation. I know all that. And, I, and I, I do too. And we need to do that. But I'm just saying that I'll quit preaching. I'm just saying that, uh, uh, you know, we're busy people. Uh, they're busy living their lives. They, they, they were busy living their lives and uh, they were so busy living their lives, um, and we are so busy living our lives, but we cannot uh, neglect to respond to the call when it comes. All of us have been called, and all of us need to respond to that call. You know, um, there are those of us who once followed Christ, but are now too busy to respond to the call. I mean, you know, I did Amway, not Amway, I did Shackley. Everybody know what Shackley is? Shackley was vitamins and um, cleaning stuff. And I was doing really good at it. I was, and I had to determine to either do that or do, uh, you know, be committed to Christ because I couldn't do what I, anyway, uh, that's not what I was telling you about. I could always tell if there was a person that would sign up for Shackley, they're going to be a Shackley distributor. I mean, they would be fired up. I mean, I'm going to do this. I want me $10,000. I'm going to get me a car. I'm going to do a, I knew I knew nine times out of ten that they would burn out in two weeks. And they did, normally. You know, and, that, and that's what happens to us. Many times we get all excited for God. We get all pumped up. And we're going to do this for God. We're going to do that for God. And the next thing you know, we burn out and we're busy. And we let other things take priority. Whew, that's the first time I've said that in any of the services. So, man, y'all must be really messed up. But <laughs> I'm only kidding. Jesus calls ordinary, busy people, and he also, also calls people to follow him in the middle of their busy daily routine. You know, sometimes I think we think that God only calls people who are doing something impressive, you know? But if you study the people that God has called to minister, you will discover that he called people that were right in the middle of their daily routine. Their daily living. He called David. And you know what David was doing? He was keeping his father's sheep. And he was, uh, he was the smallest of the bunch. He called Gideon, if you read the Old Testament. And Gideon thrashed, uh, thrashed grain. You know, Matthew, is, he's called as he worked for the IRS. He was a tax collector. Matthew, Peter, Andrew, James, and John were called, and they were running a fishing business. I was called as I had a great job managing a a parts department in a Kenworth dealership when God called. 
Not only does he call ordinary, busy people in the middle of their daily routine, he calls people personally to follow him, to follow him. He calls people personally to follow him. Now, Jesus said to Peter and his fishing buddies, he said to him, follow me. They were called by Jesus, and they were called to follow Jesus. They were called by Jesus, and they were, uh, they, and they were called to follow Jesus. They were not called to a cause. Jesus wasn't representing a cause. You see, he, it was not to follow a political agenda. Jesus had no political agenda. He wasn't a Democrat. He wasn't a Republican. He wasn't an independent. He wasn't a socialist. He does not call us to follow a political agenda. They were, called, they were not called to a certain doctrine or to follow his ideas. They were not called to a religion. They were not called to follow his example. They were not called to a denomination. They were called to a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. And you and I are not called to all that stuff. We are called to follow Jesus, a person. It is a call to faithfulness to him. You see, they had to do something to bring that about. Jesus calls, but how we respond to that call is up to us. I'm telling you today, if you're a believer or not, every person in this room today, Jesus has called you to follow him. He's called you to follow him. There's three ingredients to the call of Jesus. The first ingredient is this. Jesus calls us to salvation. He calls us to follow him to salvation. What does salvation mean? Jesus calls us to, to be forgiven of our sins and allow him to be the savior of our life. If you're not a believer today and you're in this room or you're worshiping with us online, you are called to follow Jesus. It is God's will that none should perish, but that all should come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so if you're not a believer today, you are called to follow him. And if you are a believer today and you say, you know what, buddy, God has forgiven me of my sins. I've invited Jesus into my, into my heart to be my savior. Then the second part, the second ingredient to that call is to total commitment, is to total commitment. As believers, Jesus always calls us to follow him wherever he leads. If you're a believer today, God is calling you to a total commitment to him. We cannot follow Christ. We cannot follow Christ until we're willing to give up our dreams, until we're willing to give up our plans, until we're willing to give up our wishes, and we're willing to give up our opinions, and we're willing to give up the lordship of our life and allow Jesus Christ to be Lord of our life. That's what God is calling us to. He's calling us to that way of life. You see, verse 17 conveys the sense that these guys not only left their nets and their old way of life, but they abandoned it. They left their careers, their boats, their fishing gear, and even their family. This scripture, let's look at that. At once, they left their nets and followed him. You know what that says? That says at once. You know what that says to me? They didn't say, hey, Jesus, I got to go home and talk to my wife about that. I got to make sure it's okay with my wife. 
I know you're calling me to go to Guatemala, but I got to check with my wife first. Or God, I know you're calling me into ministry full time, but God, I got to give my husband a call. God, I know that you're calling me, but I got to go check with my boss first. No, the Bible says at once. There was no hesitation in their life. They stepped out and said, we're going to follow him. And then it says, and they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat. Now, what that tells me is they had to leave their family. They had to, they had to give it all up. The call to Jesus says, Jesus, I give up all to follow you. They had to, they had to leave their father, Zebedee, let the dude in the boat. He probably bought the boat for them to fish together and learn a living. And they left him in the hired hands and said, Dad, it's up to you. Jesus is calling us. We're leaving. We're going to leave the boat. We're going to leave the nets. We're going to leave lunch. We're going to leave everything. And we are at once going to follow you. They didn't have to call anybody. They didn't have to ask anybody. They didn't have to check anything out. They were called. And I know it's respectful, but when Jesus calls, it has nothing to do with what somebody else agrees, whether they're going to let you do that or not, or they agree with you that that's okay. When he calls, he calls us to follow him. You see, the word follow means commit to me. It means commit to me. When, we, when he says follow me, he's not just saying follow me wherever I go. What he's saying to you as a believer, he's saying I want you to commit your life to me. I want you to commit to me, a person, Jesus Christ. It literally means to follow as a disciple. And it involves a personal devotion, commitment, surrender to Jesus Christ. Man, I sure hope today you can understand the seriousness of this call on the life of every believer. This is a call on the life of every believer that we commit to him. When he says, follow me, he's saying, commit to me. To be a disciple, Jesus warned, is not a step for the weak or the hesitant. Jesus says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. You see, Jesus knew that commitment is essential because it's easy to give up when the going gets tough. I mean, I can't tell you. There's been thousands and thousands of people come through Salem Fields. I'm not exaggerating. And I've seen their life get rough. I've seen things happen to them, and I've watched them give up and fall by the wayside or, or go somewhere else so they don't have to deal with what they have to deal with here. Or even in our homes. We don't want to deal with what we got at home, so we go to somebody else's home and find somebody else to deal with. You see, a good illustration of the kind of commitment that Christ required is found in the life of Cortez. In 1519, he uh, landed at Veracruz, Mexico, with the intention of his mission was to take over Mexico. Now, the first thing he did once he arrived, he knew his mission, he knew his call, and the first thing he did was burn all 11 of his ships. He burned them all. Why? There's no way back. There's no turning back. He was all in. 
He was all in. He was committed to his mission. And Jesus has called you and I to that same kind of commitment. He calls us to burn the boat because there's no way back. Once you put the hand to the plow, it's no looking back. Jesus called us to that kind of commitment. Once we are committed to him, he calls us to serve him. He calls some to serve him as a vocation, like the pastors in this church. We're called as a vocation. It's what God has called us to do with our life, and the rest of us he calls to serve as a volunteer, as a servant. You see, the call to follow him, the, the call to follow him will take us out of our comfortable, middle-class Christianity. It will turn that upside down. It will turn up our comfortable Christianity upside down. Let me tell you what, what I believe is wrong with us as a church in America. We believe that Jesus has called us to be comfortable. We, we just say, man, Jesus has called me to be comfortable, and I'm one of those. I'm comfortable. I mean, I'm so, I'm so comfortable, I'm uncomfortable being comfortable. <laughs> you know, we're comfortable. I mean, I got a nice house. Man, like a year, it's paid off. You know, I, I got two really good cars. They're Chevrolets. <laughs> I have Chevrolets so I can follow Fords around, pick up the parts, <laughs> and, and resell them. Uh, I mean, I got a little money in the bank. I got clothes. I mean, <laughs> y'all wouldn't want me up here without them. <laughs> Man, this shirt's been in my closet two years. I took the tag off. I mean, it's been in my closet for two years. You probably think, "Man, you got a lot of clothes." No, I was fat and it wouldn't fit, <laughs> and it's starting to fit now. But I got a closet, I got a closet full of clothes. I gave the veterans three bags of clothes the other day. I'm comfortable, and God has not called me to be comfortable. He's called me to be uncomfortable. You know, James and Charity, you want to know what following Jesus is all about? Follow James and Charity through the streets of Port Harcourt, Nigeria. Follow them to their house. Follow them to the house of the people that go that they minister to. Follow them to the soccer fields. And see the people they minister to and how they live their life. There's days and weeks that all they eat is a little bit of rice in their life. Go to India and see how Manu and his family live and they got the joy of the Lord. I wish I had the same joy in my life as they have in their life. When they pick us up at the airport, it's like, man, they treat us. And they go home at night in the heat and they sleep in one room because it's 125 degrees in that room with a fan on them and they wake up the next morning with the joy of the Lord. You know why? Because they understand they are not called to be comfortable. They're called to serve God with all they got. And you know what? So am I. You know what? So are you. But we've made it a comfortable religion. We made it a comfortable relationship, I mean. And I don't believe that's what God said. Come follow me and I'll make you comfortable. I think what he said is, come follow me and I will make you uncomfortable, but it will be the greatest adventure of your life. 
You know, you see, we're not called to be spectators. We're not called to be spiritual porkers. You know what a spiritual porker is? One more sermon. One more sermon. I got to get to church, get another sermon. I got to go over to this church. I got to quit going to Salem Fields because I got to go over there because Salem Fields, I'm not getting fed. Well, I'm going to tell you, some of you are so spiritually fat that you don't need another sermon. We need to do what we already know to do, and we can spend the rest of our life doing what God has already told us that we need to do. Y'all going to probably say, buddy, take another month off. <laughs> but that's the truth. And not just to you, to me too. You see, Salem Fields, Christian, Salem Fields Community Church Christians, we're not called to give ourselves when it's convenient or, or just occasionally when our name comes up on Planning Center. But rather, his call is lifelong, full-time process of following him, of total transformation of our lives. We may not be called to sell everything and live in poverty, but we are called to follow him all the time, all the time, every day, every day. That does not mean that everyone's called to leave their job and enter full-time ministry or be a full-time missionary in Africa or India or some other country, but some are. And if that's you, it will be painful but it will be the greatest adventure of your life. See, the enemy tells us if we give ourselves completely to God, then God's going to call me to do something that I don't want to do. Or I don't want to have to do this. I don't want to have to give up. I don't want to have to give my, I don't want to have to give of myself. I don't want to have to give. But it will be the greatest adventure of your life. Every Christian, every believer in this room today is called to wrestle with that question of call. Every one of us are called to wrestle with that. Am I called? Is God calling my life to serve him full time? Is God calling me to give myself in this community, in this church? Is God calling me to do that? What is he calling me to do? I know he's calling you, but what is he calling me to do? Be comfortable? Nope. To be uncomfortable to be out of our comfort zone. You see, we all belong to him all the time. No matter where we go or what we do, God has gifted each individual and he's called us to a life of service. The example of those fishermen had gone, they had gone, the, the fishermen who had gone fishing that day, the call was to salvation, which I believe they had already accepted the fact. And a call to commitment and a call to service. You see, the call of Christ it, is a call that begins at salvation. And it leads to a call to a fully committed life of Christ. You want to know what your next step in your spiritual life? People say, what's the next step? The next step is come, follow me. It means give yourself completely to me. That's the next step in your Christian life. We think it's a class or we think it's this or we think it's that and this and that, you know. It's a call to a fully committed life of service to him. In closing, I want you to see that Jesus promises to make something we could never be without him. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of people. Jesus boldly says, I will make you become fishers of people. You know, I'm thankful. I'm thankful. Not every day, but most days, I'm thankful that Jesus called me. I'm thankful that he called me into a deeper relationship with him. And I'm thankful most of the time that God called me to full-time minister, to give up all to follow him. 
My life is being transformed. I can tell you if I'd never taken that step of commitment, my life would still be the same old buddy, and I didn't like that same old buddy. I'd go, I'd go to church. My life is being transformed, and you would understand what I mean about being transformed if you lived with me now, or then, and especially even now. To know and thank God I'm still being transformed. You see, when Jesus, when I gave my life to Jesus on Easter Sunday, 1980, I met him and I received his call to follow him to salvation. And I, I followed him in 1987 to a life of full surrender. God, wherever you lead, I will follow. He called me. And I was just a simple, ordinary, busy, uneducated, sinful, and lost. Lost, lost parts manager for a Kenworth truck dealership who today is slowly growing into an understanding of who Jesus really is and what he really has for my life. I'm much like the disciples, and maybe you are as well. You know, we read of their mistakes, we read about their slip-ups, their mess-ups throughout the gospel. And I probably do the same as they did more often than you. They followed Jesus as best they could. And Jesus kept his promise to make them fishers of men. Fishers of people. First, we are followers, and then he transforms us into fishers of people to serve him. You see, these simple men had gone fishing. They were uneducated, hardworking hell raisers who left their nets, their boats, their livelihood, their families, and quite possibly all they had to their names and they followed Jesus. Would you? What would it take for you to leave everything and really, really follow Jesus? I'm not talking about really go to church. I'm not talking about showing up on Sunday a couple times a month. What would it take for you and I to really, really follow Jesus the way Jesus intended us to follow him? You see, to completely turn away from all of our excuses of, about how, uh, how I'm just an ordinary person or I'm too busy, I'm too poor, I'm too messed up or too whatever. What will it take for you and I to fully commit to the crazy, dare to dream, step out of the boat kind of life and follow Jesus? Now, Gay and I are not going to show up at your work and tell you uh, to follow us and call you to follow us. That'd be a long journey. But what if Jesus does? What if Jesus does? What are you going to say then? Well, he does. He's here today. And he's using me as his mouthpiece. Because this message is from God. What if he said to you, follow me? and I will make you fishers of people. How are you going to respond? Father, thank you for your love and grace. Thank you for your presence here today, Lord. I thank you that you love us and you gave yourself completely for us. With all of our heads bowed and all of our eyes closed, maybe you're here today and your call today. Jesus is saying to you, follow me to salvation. What does that mean? It means call me. He's calling me. He's calling you to follow him into forgiveness. Follow him 
into becoming your Savior. And if, you're, if you've never accepted that call, if you've never responded to that call today, I encourage you right now to respond to that call. You say, Jesus, just tell Jesus, ask Jesus to forgive you of all of your sins. And he will. And invite him into your heart to be your Savior. And he'll come in. Now, if you responded to that call and you prayed that prayer, would you please stop out? Don't be too busy to stop out at the little table or embarrassed or whatever to stop out at that little table that says, accepted Jesus, stop here. Just stop there for a moment. It's a good decision. I want to do something a little bit unexpected today. Not for this group, because we've been here. But I want to call the pastors to come forward today. Pastors of Salem Fields Community Church. I'm one of those. Gay's one of those. We're pastors of Salem Fields Community Church. Maybe you're, uh, maybe you're uh, on a journey to becoming a pastor. And I want, want you to come today too. Jim, aren't you called anymore? Okay, it takes you a little while, I know. He is an old pastor. You know what? You're never too old. One thing I've learned, you can't retire. You can change tires and do something else. But what, we did, what, I, what I was thinking when I was doing this message is, I just wanted the pastors to come today and just reaffirm their commitment to the call in their life publicly. We've never done this before. We've never all gathered and allow you to see us, know us, pray for us. And I want to pray for the pastors today. I have a little scripture I want to read, but still here. First Peter 5 says, to the elders, now the elders at our church are the pastors. To the elders among you, I appeal, I appeal as a fellow elder. That's all of us. And a witness of Christ's suffering who will share in the glory to be revealed. Here's our charge, guys. Be shepherds of God's flock. That's you guys. That is under your care. You're under our care. Watching over them. Not because you must, but because you're willing. As God wants you to be. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples of the flock. And when the chief shepherd, Jesus, appears, you will receive the crown of glory. That will never, ever Fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to the elders. I don't want to go any further than that. You know, I think it would be a good time for us to reaffirm. I want you to just turn, because I'm seeing them and you're not seeing them. You know, we got a couple others, like there's Colin back there and Jody. They're not pastors, but they've given their life to this. And, and Alicia and maybe others. They've given their life to this. This is what they do. I want you to do now is that scripture I read to you, I want you, I want us together to affirm 
to say that we will be good shepherds. You ready? We will be good shepherds. And we want you to pray for us, guys. Father, I pray for this group today, for myself and for the others as we stand here before the flock, Lord, the people that you've given us to lead. Help us to lead well, Lord. Help us to live well. God, help us to be the people that you want us to be. And Father, I believe we all desperately want to be. So I pray, dear God, that you would watch over each of us. God, help us to do what you've called us to do, not begrudgingly, but willing, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be uncomfortable when you call us to be uncomfortable, God. Help us to go wherever you call us to go. Help us to be whatever you want us to be and help us, God, to be the people of God first that you want us to be. Help us to pastor those around us, Lord the closest to us. I need help, Lord. And I know we all need your help. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for this group. Thank you for your call in our life. It's been a good adventure, Lord. And I just thank you that you'll continue to lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we all stand? We're going to worship together. Don't leave because we're not finished. I know it's a little bit longer, but it's almost over. Can we just stand and worship together? And the guys, y'all going to stay here, okay? Stay up front. You call me out upon the waters, the great unknown, the feet may My faith will stand And I will call upon your name And keep my eyes above the waves When oceans rise My soul will rest in your embrace but I
today and you say, you know what, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I've followed God into salvation. But you know, you've never followed him and being totally committed to him. You know, you've been forgiven of your sins and Jesus lives in your heart, but you know that you know that you're still boss. And you, you've not surrendered totally to him and his leadership in your life. When we start, when we finish this course, I want to invite you to come and stand with the pastors. And we're going to pray together. Maybe you're a, maybe you're a born again, committed follower of Jesus and, and he's called you to a full-time service. He's called you into a vocation. You know that you know, but maybe you just have not had the courage to accept that call, but you know that you're called to either be a pastor or a missionary, and maybe you don't even know what you're called, but you know God has that for your life. I want to, we want to invite you to come when we start singing that song again. Finally, you say, yes, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, and I'm going to do what you've called me to do with my life. So I'm asking you if you've come to that point in your life where you want to totally commit to Jesus Christ, and you're saying, God, I don't know what you want me to do, but I want to do it. I'm called, I'm going to answer the call to follow me and commit to you. And maybe you're here and, and, uh, and God's called you to go on that mission trip to Guatemala, but you've been thinking of all the kind of excuses you can think of. Because I know Kelly, I talked to him last night, he says he knows that he knows as the missions pastor that this is God's will for our church to go to Guatemala. And some of you, he wouldn't, see, I think when God calls a pastor to do something or speak on something, it's because somebody out there needs to hear it. And God's calling some of you to go on a short-term mission trip. And you don't have to call your wife or your husband or your boss. You just commit to going. And today, I want to invite you to come and we'll pray for you. Also, maybe you're here today and you're thinking, well, you know, am I called? I'm fully committed. Am I called? And you want to just come and we'll pray that maybe God will reveal that to you today if you're called or not. Maybe you're called to serve in children's ministry or maybe you're called to serve in youth ministry or you're called to serve wherever. Maybe it's not as a vocation, but you're willing. And you say, and I want you to come, and we're going to pray for you. And if you're a volunteer at Salem Fields Community Church, we want to pray for you. You've committed. You said, you know what? I'm not just a volunteer. I'm doing this because this is God's call on my life. I'm not just talking about, well, I greet because I'm on the planning center list. No, I greet because I know this is what God wants for my life. And I'm willing to do that. So we're going to worship just for a couple minutes here, and then Gay's going to come and pray for all those who choose to come today. God bless you. Spirit, leave me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith will be made strong. Presence of my Savior. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever water. And my presence of my Savior. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without 
Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your presence. It just has made me smile as I've seen before my very eyes evidence of you working in the hearts of people. And Father, thank you so much for your sweet, sweet presence here right now. Father, your voice has spoken and people have responded. And Jesus, you chose 12, but there are more than 12 here right now, Lord, and you've called us to turn this world upside down. And when you call us, you equip us, and you've placed within each one of us exactly what it takes to fulfill what you've called us to. And so, Lord, I pray that no one would be defeated by a voice that says, I'm ordinary or uh, I don't have what it takes. But, God, this response has proclaimed that you have given us everything that we need. And so, Father, thank you for every person here this morning, for those online that may have stepped up as well. And God, for those even that remain in their seats, God, I know that hearts have been open. And I know, God, that you have spoken. And it's okay to be exactly where each one of us is right now. I just pray, Lord, that as we leave this place, that we will sense victory in our lives this morning. And that this will not just be something that we responded to, but that we take the next step beyond our, uh, into the unknown and uh, we'll keep our eyes above the waves. And Lord, just continue to be with each person who stepped out for the courage. Lord, thank you so much for who you are, for what you've done here this morning. And we give you all the glory for everything that's happened. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Don't leave yet. I want to talk to you just one minute. So if you came up front today, what I want you to do is do, a, do us a favor and do you a favor. Would you just take a connection card and would you just simply write on that t connection card, I committed today to, you know, be completely committed, whatever, that God came, what you came up for today. We want to do that so we can encourage you. And as Gay said last night, a little accountability in that as well. And also, it'll be encouraging to you to be able to put that in writing. You know, sometimes when we write things, we keep it more than when we just come up to the altar and do all that. And so, you might have to look for a connection card. You might have to look for a pen because we never do anything, have everything in the way it needs to be. But you can find one. And if you were called to ministry, if you feel like God's calling you to ministry, would you speak to one of the staff? Well, I'm talking about full-time ministry as a pastor, a missionary, or whatever that may be, but you know God's calling you to something beyond what you're doing right now. Would you talk to one of the pastors? And let's just kind of make that, okay? I don't know what else to say. Gay, you good? Amen. Amen. Okay. God bless. Have a great day. What a beautiful sight this is. Give God a hand. Let's all give God a hand. He did some good stuff here today.